0: Hi everyone, I'm Shirley Brady. Welcome to Future Vision Conversations, where we discuss fresh thinking and ideas for how technology and creativity can help create a more human future. I'm the managing editor for RGA's Global Thought Leadership, where we explore thought-provoking ideas around what's happening now and next in digital and innovation. And on today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Kieran Park, my colleague at RGA Australia, where he is Executive Technology Director, and our special guest, Tony Nolson, who's Digital Innovation Lead at Amazon Web Services, Australia and New Zealand. RGA has been honored to partner with AWS on many projects over the years. And in our conversation today, we will explore the challenges that consumers and brands face in today's tumultuous landscape, but we will also talk about the opportunities and how we can design innovative e-commerce solutions for this ever-evolving time in order to best serve, engage, and delight customers. So a warm welcome to you both, Kieran and Tony, and thank you for joining us on the podcast today. So I thought we would begin with what you're both seeing in this unprecedented year. As we know, technology is evolving at a rapid pace to meet customers' needs even while consumer behaviors are shifting and adapting too. So commerce in particular e-commerce has been at the forefront of this disruption and innovation. And I'd love to hear what you both think are some of the key behavioral shifts in e-commerce that you're seeing this year, both during and even before the global pandemic. And then what consumer behavior changes do you think might stick around and become part of the next normal? So Tony, I thought we'd begin with you and then we turn to Kieran for your thoughts too. Thanks so much, Shirley, and thank you very much for having me
1: today. It has been a very strange year and I think it will continue to be a bit of a strange year, maybe into next year. And overwhelmingly what we're seeing is an acceleration in trends by about 10 years. So some of the the trends that existed in business and consumer behaviour today have really fast-forwarded and there's some really obvious simple ones, you know, online ordering, has, you know, particularly in the grocery category, has really accelerated. Online conferencing, we meet on on Zoom now, and that's that's sort of accelerated use enormously. Working from home, we are in the a world first working from home home experiment at the moment, we got very little notice and everybody's working from home all around the world and that has been a really big shift. But people were interested in, you know, some people were doing that already and some businesses were leveraging remote working models, but now every business has had to try and figure out how they optimise that model now that we can't come into the office. So they're kind of some obvious ones. I think some less obvious ones that are interesting to think about is how people... Thinking about their health and safety, and you know, a couple of those trends that I think we're seeing is that people want to stay home more. There's a real, really strong push to community and community connection because all of a sudden we're not global; we're very local. So, connection to community and and wanting experiences in the home, and there's also this idea that every business is going to have to think about being a health business, and that's that's actually something that's really different because I think that the hangover of the pandemic will you know will extend certainly at amazon we're thinking about vaccinating the supply chain because that's going to be really critical for us so yeah it's it's been interesting and and i think if you take anything that was sort of bubbling already fast forward 10 years this is kind of where we
0: are kieran i'd love to get your take on what you're seeing around this year of great change
2: Thanks uh, for inviting me along to this as well. This really interesting point that Tony's made about experiences, uh, especially around home and health, becoming more and more important. What we've seen is that they're actually also becoming a lot more compelling. So we've got to understand that people are becoming a lot more demanding around experiences, especially at home considering the COVID climate we're living in at the moment, a lot of people can't do the the standard behaviours that they're used to, the more kind of physical interactions. So we're seeing a lot more weight being put on richer experiences at home. Electra is a great example of being, or Alexa and the other numerous voice platforms, being where the consumer is. So really understanding that the consumer behaviors are changing very much from maybe a physical to a more digital. So how do you make use of that and be where the customer is? And I think along with the experiences at home, I think product and experiences are emerging. So... Where in the past, maybe uh, it was all around the product. Nowadays, it's also very much weighted in the experience. Uh, people are assessing both when they actually go on their purchase path, they're understanding the experience and seeing how the brand has kind of connected with them as much as the product's important to them. Some other kind of trends that we're seeing is uh, distributed commerce as well. So this works very much, again, around understanding where the customer is. During COVID, a lot of customers are found at home. So gone are the kind of traditional ways of putting out campaigns um, everywhere and hoping that the people kind of see a, an emotional connection. We need to understand that customers are going to be in different places now. We need to be where they are. We need to act where they're kind of uh, working. And and through that, ultimately, we've seen that having that kind of understanding can build unique purchase experiences, and they can actually demand a premium.
0: That's a great point. So just to touch on that piece of brands and even brand building in this time, I thought it would be interesting, again, for both of you to weigh in on some of the challenges that brands are facing with these new behaviors and customer needs, and how do you build brands and loyalty, again, in this very disrupted time that we're living in?
1: So I think one of the biggest challenges brands come up against when there are new behaviours is, and this I'm sure will be a theme of today, is adaptability and speed to market. We talk about it a lot at Amazon. We use a metric called time to value, and time to value is the amount of time that it takes you to have an idea to get it in between then and getting it in the hands of your customer feedback. because invariably you will get something wrong. And so without overthinking that, getting that feedback as quickly as possible is really valuable, and so speed matters. And if your customers are changing, and obviously there's macro factors that mean behaviors are changing and they changed very quickly, incredibly quickly, your ability to change or your speed to change or time to value, reducing that time to value will allow you to respond more quickly and continue to stay connected as close to the customer as possible. You know, I think loyalty is just built over time, right? So, loyalty is trust and so always pushing your customers' trust and that includes privacy and just, you know, general trusted behaviors at front of mind.
0: We were all chatting before this podcast and we agreed that Tony, as you were just saying, that you know, if you're going to adapt and evolve your e-commerce strategy, you can't wait. It has to happen now. And how in this time of great crisis, there can also be great opportunities. And so we've all seen, I'm sure, here in the States, in Australia and around the world, some businesses have skyrocketed. Amazon, as we know, is doing incredibly well. And unfortunately, some other businesses are are struggling and even failing. And so there's a really great differentiator right now between what amounts to success and failure. And so just in your observations, watching businesses who maybe haven't been, to your point, Tony, as agile or quick to market, what are you seeing that you think we can learn from both on the success side and also on the failure side that you think are good takeaways?
1: Well, it's probably worth noting that there are some businesses for whom everything changed immediately in a way that they can't pivot out of, like an airline or a travel business. Incredibly, incredibly difficult. When there's, you know, global restrictions on travel, it's very hard to change. And so the best thing that those businesses can do is really wind down any discretionary spend or variable spend in the business. And so, and continue to try and drive loyalty with their customers in different ways. So there are businesses that are disproportionately impacted purely by the nature of COVID being a pandemic. But there are businesses that, who have been able to respond, I guess, more quickly and adapt and typically they were businesses that were already more progressed on their digital transformation. And businesses of all different types that have managed to progress their digital transformation we find typically have a few common elements and they are bold leadership to be able to take a business through a transformation that's difficult really requires you to set the bar of what you expect and and have strong leadership through that. Being able to change the way you work. So, not adapting more agile or or less hierarchical business organisational models allows you to adapt more quickly and, and take on digital technologies. I mean, investment in talent and skills is really critical as well. Fostering a culture of innovation. So, be encouraging new ideas to come from the people in your business and experimenting in those ideas, and then having a digital platform that allows you to experiment cheaply and easily, and also wind up and down spend. You know, we saw that with a number of our customers, Qantas is a great example, where we immediately worked with them when COVID hit to wind down any of their compute spend that wasn't critical anymore. And that's a difference of using pay as you go technology versus you know, kind of on-premise capital cost technology. So businesses that were already on that transformation we've found have been able to adapt more quickly but there has been a disproportionate impact in depending on what kind of industry you're in.
2: Yeah, so the big differences are kind of being able to faster adopt. So knowing a brand's customers and their new behaviors ultimately, but it's also knowing the strengths and how a brand can differentiate themselves between themselves and competitor. Because ultimately, traditional enterprise technology can be ultimately slower and costlier in adopting to new behaviors. This can hamper businesses in the speed at which they can adapt to these new technologies. Because what we're seeing is change is a a constant and it's only getting faster. And this has been affected by COVID, obviously. But we are finding that people, uh, consumers are becoming a lot more savvy in their adoption of technology. So to kind of work around that, it's around inventing those micro moments, kind of the moments of customer delights which really builds the, the customer interaction and the experiences. I already mentioned product and experience are becoming very merged. It's no longer where brands can rely purely on a product to sell. They need to invest into the experience as much.
0: And Kieran, again, from what you're seeing in RGA in Australia, what do you think is necessary now to sort of put yourself into the column where you're resilient and getting through these times and all the things we're talking about with agility and speed and adapting to these changes?
2: Yeah, so we've already touched on the idea that, first of all, we need to understand that customer behaviours are changing, particularly in, in the path to purchase. And the customers are actually adopting quicker as well to emerging technology as new platforms and services come out. They're becoming a lot more savvy and open to new ways of doing things. So this, the first brands need to have that understanding that that's happening. So they need to be able to adopt to that in turn. So beyond just knowing their customers and their new behaviors they're seeing, they need to understand how they can change. And what we're seeing is is a change that's been happening for a few years, but I think through COVID, it's definitely excelled it. the idea that traditional enterprise uh, technology, which is traditionally slower and costlier. It's harder to change and it hampers businesses in adopting to these new behaviors. Essentially, they can't adapt quick enough. So what we're seeing, change is a constant and it's it's only getting faster. And as I mentioned, the, the traditional way of doing things is becoming somewhat unfit for purpose. So to kind of get ahead of the curve, brands need to start looking to kind of invest in smaller, modular kind of what we call microservice ways of working which allows brands to adapt and test a lot quicker and hopefully kind of capitalize on these new behaviors as they're becoming more and more um, prevalent. The other part of it is also understanding how to be different to competitors. I think with a lot of platforms that we're using today, it can be very hard to differentiate yourself between the next best thing. So it's not just being able to adopt and adapt using the right, technology, it's also also understanding how to utilize it to your strength. So it's essentially designing e-commerce solutions for an ever-evolving world, but in a way that it makes use of brand strength and its point of difference.
0: And again, before this podcast, we were all chatting and Tony, I loved what you were talking about. Maybe you could share again some of your thinking around identifying the micro moments to really engage customers and really the importance of people think about winning big, but sometimes actually winning small and being there in those moments can really make a huge difference, especially in a stressful time or a really changing time. It's just, it can be one of those things that means a lot. Um, And could you share a little bit more about um, that perspective and how that actually might apply if you have an example?
1: Well, so, I mean, there's a framework that you can use if you want to think about variables that can disrupt your business if they were to change things that you assume to be true or are true or you assume that they will remain to be true. If they were to change, where is your risk and opportunity? And it's called scenario planning. and. It requires a moment of customer delight to be able to change an expected norm, we find, and, you know, Uber's a great example of that. The social norms that existed before Uber were that you wouldn't get into a car with a stranger, you wouldn't take a lolly from a stranger, and you wouldn't tell someone where you lived. And the micro moments that Uber created that allowed a complete disruption of the taxi business or the taxi industry was when you requested your car, you could see where it was. You didn't have to pay, talk about frictionless. It was a zero friction payment. You just got out of the car and the star rating of a driver. And those three things were micro moments of delight that meant you trusted a driver that you didn't know and you would get into a car. And it's you know really, really Uber's you know a great example of that kind of disruption. So When we think about those micro moments, we want to really raise the bar on customer experience. What's the thing that a customer will enjoy so much that it creates a delight and loyalty moment that they'll come back? And we hold ourselves to a pretty high bar and we want to continue to kind of raise that bar. But you'll find a really great example of another micro moment and it's really simple when you think about it, but if you're a professional services Worker, just say you're a lawyer, you have to track your time in six-minute increments typically and there was a law firm actually here in Australia that implemented a technology that auto-accounted for your time on the phone. So it figured out the number that you were calling and associated it with a client file and so auto-completed your timesheet and what an incredible micro-moment because as a lawyer, you're never picking up the phone unless it's through your work phone, because the value is so significant in that auto creation of your timesheet that it changes your behavior. We can see them in uh, almost any industry Um, and they're really exciting, but uh, they're really exciting, you know, when you get them right, but they can be really powerful. And as soon as a customer has a new behavior, you know, I would probably say the Amazon Go shopping experience is kind of a micro moment. We worked really, really, really hard to make sure that that was a zero friction exit of the convenience store, so just walk out shopping. Um, There were many different options that we could have tried that still required some level of friction as you were leaving the store and we persevered around what that customer experience needs to look like to raise the bar so that it becomes so compelling that you want to go back for more.
0: Certainly contactless is again one of those consumer behaviors that's born of necessity this year but Certainly is a game changer. And Kieran, again, this is making me think too of, we've talked about, you know, winning where it matters. And I know that in Australia, RGA is pioneering this approach around adaptive e-commerce. And could you talk a little bit about that and how that relates to this conversation?
2: Yeah, Shirley. Um, essentially, we need to understand that consumers are getting smarter with their expectations. No longer can we build large campaigns and expect the same results, ultimately. We need to understand, as I've said previously, where customers are and utilize the brand strengths. As you mentioned, here in Australia, we, we have looked at this and we've seen there's, there's a need for a new way of thinking. Essentially, what we've named adaptive e-commerce is a new solution that employs principles of, as I mentioned, microservice architecture by building applications through use of decoupled and distributed services, uh, which allows focus on critical features such as customer touch points and personalization. The ultimate aim of this is to deliver quicker ROI while still allowing for expansion when needed. So really still facilitating that adoption to new behaviors as they as they come because i've said change is a constant it's going to continually happen we've already seen it progressively accelerate through covid and it's going to continue to change that solution approach provides brands with the opportunity to capitalise on cutting-edge technology in areas such as machine learning or generative adversarial networks. I guess what we're looking at is the current climate has taught us many things, one of which is the importance in understanding at speed how to succeed in this new economy. Uh, Traditional existing transaction models are becoming unfit for purpose. Ultimately, the brand experience is being diluted by third-party platform limitations and roadmaps brands are always having to work towards external roadmaps. And, and that's the point of differentiation. That's, that's the point where it's hard to make a different experience. And with consumers becoming ever more demanding with how they discover, engage, and purchase, brands not only need to be sure the right partners and platforms that utilize, but we also make, need to make sure that they're looking to create inferred as much as declared data to continually iterate and provide more relevant and valuable shopping experiences for their customers. And ultimately, the way we do that with adaptive e-commerce is through the creation of relevant purchase moments. Creation being the driving of growth through untapped opportunity. The relevancy being that it leverages a company's unique assets and advantages to solve the customer problems. And moments, much like Tony's mentioned, it focuses on a customer's technology behaviors of today, where your brand can actually win. And if you look at examples such as the Iconic, with their same-day delivery, they looked at something that they could own, and they ran with it and did it with enormous success. Or it's looking at someone like Nike with a progressive in-store online self-service models and the the augmented reality Jordan launch. There was a very small experience, but the virality of it and that it played in areas that consumers are are today was really valuable to the brand.
0: This is the Future Vision podcast. And we like to sort of think about with all these technologies that are coming at us, some available today, some still evolving. What are you both sort of excited about when you think about these new opportunities? So, you know, we mentioned um, AR, VR, obviously the abilities of AI and GPT-3 and computer vision, and there's just so much happening. And then on top of that, we've got 5G and beyond coming as well. And what are you both keeping your eye on? What are you both really interested in, fascinated by? Do you think that's really going to when we get beyond this time, really enable and empower some incredible enriching experiences that you just can't wait to try, test, see what other people do and, and think about what it means for both your businesses.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about human creativity. I think that's the only limitation of technology. You know, I was a developer, so I would say that. But um, I think it's fascinating how human behaviour resets its expectation when an improved experience is presented. And so then that's the new bar. And I think that consumers continuing to have higher expectations benefits all of us because we get to see some of the most incredible inventions. And I'm actually interested to see how some of the inventions from COVID will end up persisting after COVID. And I'll give you an example. You would have seen massive impact to the restaurant industry all over the world firstly, the fact that people have gone out to support their local restaurants, I think is great. And so I think investing in the community is a great trend. I'd love to stay, but also some of these businesses have, you know, Maryvale's a business here in Australia that has done an at-home option of some of their best restaurants. I would love that to stay. And I think that there's a version of that in the travel industry to do experiences at home, because there's a number of people who potentially can't or don't want to travel because they're restricted in some way. And so they can get access to that experience as well. So I think it's potentially created a new set of experiences, you know, change like that creates a new set of experiences that hopefully serve different segments that maybe didn't have access to them before. And I think that that's really exciting. The thing that we certainly know is that human creativity is always, is ever present and always creating new experiences for us. So I think that's super exciting because the technology will, you know, the technology will continue to evolve because as humans, we will continue to
0: Great. And then Kieran, what about you? I should actually, and I haven't a chance to congratulate you, but you were just named to SNAP's Creative Council in Australia. So obviously your day job, you get to play with a lot of these amazing new technologies or existing technologies and help them really push the limits of what's possible. And you're paid to, to play in these amazing sandboxes. So what sort of excites you as you think about what's possible now and what you would love to be able to create looking ahead, again, with this sort of lens of really involving experience for customers.
2: I, I would like to, yeah, just very quickly say thanks to the, the team over at Snap for giving me the opportunity to be part of what I think is a really great opportunity, particularly in the moment now, to help raise awareness around diversity. So we at RGA here on Australia Across Sydney and Melbourne are kind of part of that process whereby hopefully we're going to create some really cool ideas and platforms to, to help that cause. So yeah, thanks to Snap for giving me the opportunity. Um, and, and yeah, Shirley, essentially, I, I am very kind of blessed in my position that I do first and foremost get to look at new, exciting technology, but I also get to kind of look at the creative side of things. And I, I think what Tony was saying was spot on. I think the the tech side of that for me is building on those experiences and making sure they're contextually aware. So I think with the onset of AI, particularly things like NLPs, which is natural language processing, we need to utilize the technology to get a better understanding of what, not only behaviors are happening, but the sentiment and the thought behind those behaviors, what's driving those changes beyond just the the access to new technology. It's understanding the customer's kind of state emotional state and utilizing that information to give more contextual experiences. So things like natural language processing gives us the tools to really understand how a consumer is responding to a brand. And it means that we can just give a lot more richer experiences and therefore it's going to engage customers a lot more. So rather than the traditional kind of customer funnel where it's more of a, a tree yes or no approach, we can actually make decisions on the fly as to how a customer's responding in the moment. And machine learning is kind of building and fueling that more contextual response.
0: And just to finally wrap this up, I'm curious again for you both, what's one big learning or takeaway from this time that you think is going to really influence what you do going forward? And as you think about lessons and once we're able to think about omni-channel and and you touched Tony on, you know, going back to restaurants and things possible in real life, like what do you want to take from this time to really shape and inform what you do going forward? Um Shirley, I'll give you I'll give you a couple maybe. Um so I think more than ever
1: speed matters in business. And we have seen in the past that businesses that create scale can protect their success. And today agility is the new scale. And so speed to market is critical and I think will continue to stay critical. So, you know, that time to value and speed to market I think is even more important than ever. And we see that when something like this, when COVID happens and trends accelerate. I think something that is a really important takeaway when you think about agility and access, so the technology has never been easier to access. Even really, really sophisticated machine learning algorithms around personalization are off the shelf now. So, you know, Amazon, as an example, releases its warehouse forecasting algorithms, which are literally as a service that you can just plug into your data set. So you've never had more access and speed matters. And so, you know, we often say invention and failure are inseparable twins. When with such easy access, certainly all of your competitors have the same kind of easy access, you have to start experimenting. And to do that, you've got to create a culture where it's safe to fail. You've got to move quickly. And I think that there's something really exciting that happens in businesses that create cultures that are safe to fail. And what you want to do is you actually want you need that safe to fail culture because you want your smartest people working on your most speculative ideas. You want to set a really high bar for customer experience and then you want to make sure that there's no punitive implications if those experiences or experiments don't come to fruition because you've learned from that. What you don't want is to create a culture where your smartest people work on your safest ideas. And so to do that, you know, I think you need to have an understanding that if you know the answer to the experiment, it's not an experiment. So having, some, uh, having a bold vision and then having the confidence and leading with confidence to get your smartest people working on your hardest things and quickly is probably the, the big takeaways for me.
0: Kieran, what about for you? What do you think are some of the takeaways from this time that you think will inform both what you're doing and what you think other brands and companies should be thinking about looking ahead?
2: First of all, say that the first one is using technology to make more informed decisions, as I mentioned, especially around contextual kind of point in time response, rather than uh, assuming, to Tony's point, actually, rather than assuming something's going to happen, you kind of set up in a way that you can respond on the fly. So if that's using something like natural language processing, then that's a good example. And then I would actually echo a lot of what Tony's already mentioned, the idea that you need to change the way you work. For example, here at RGA, we've got an evolving way of working whereby we reinvent ourselves every nine years. So we are always expecting to change. And just because COVID's come along, we've actually found through that we're already quite well positioned to adapt to it. But beyond kind of changing the way you work, having the understanding that you need the ability to experiment and potentially in leaner teams. So something that we do regularly is when we take on a project or a new problem, we look to kind of find out all the kind of subject matter uh, experts to kind of bring in as much as we can, but we very quickly reduce to a leaner team that is there for agility. So rather than having a huge monolithic again solution that needs to to change very quickly and can't do just by the sheer nature we have a smaller leaner team that can experiment and is in a safe place to fail so tony mentioned you've got to understand that you need to fail at the same time as invent to kind of be able to experiment correctly in the right way and then I would say, again, beyond kind of being able to experiment and being ready to fail and, and being able to move in an agile method, is using the platforms in an agile way as well. It's already been mentioned, but technology today is becoming so much more accessible. Gone are the yesterday's approach of having to invest massively in these huge systems that include everything, as well as the kitchen sink, and investing up to a certain period. Nowadays, it's very easy to kind of looking to systems and cloud services that you can turn on for a matter of days or even weeks to test and experiment with. These cloud platforms ultimately are making it easier to test, trial and adopt.
0: Fantastic. I love both answers. And clearly the theme is disrupt or be disrupted. So don't be afraid of these changes, but actually embrace them, which I think is a great note to wrap on. So I want to thank you both again for taking time today to chat with us and to share your insights, which have been fantastic. I've certainly learned a lot about what it takes to be innovative and really customer centric and think about some these new solutions in this ever evolving world and time we're living in thinking really about what customers need today, but also tomorrow. So I love what you are both saying. So thank you so much. Uh, really, again, it's been a pleasure. Also a big thank you, of course, to all our listeners for joining us today too. And once again, I'm Shirley Brady and for more of our conversations, please visit rga.com slash future vision. Thank you. And take care.